0: And welcome to and introducing a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade, and
1: I'm Molly O'Brien,
0: and this is We Potacano, our band could be your life mini series. We're taking a journey through Michael Azaret's Chronicle of the 1980s American Underground Rock Scene, continuing today with Chapter Eight: Butthole Servers. What,
1: what a wonderful delivery! Oh, thank you,
0: Shakespearean. I'm trying to get my professor Henry Higgins on. Yes. For this. <laughs> Uh, we're taking a turn down south this week to meet original San Antonio weirdos, Gibby Haynes and Paul Leary, who along with drummers King Coffee and Teresa Nervosa brought the world, the butthole surfers taking hardcore's intensity, adding a dose of psychedelia and their own brand of gross out comedy. The buttholes would become known for their wild, almost performance art live shows that would become so elaborate. Their tour van would eventually hold more lights than musical equipment. (laughs) And today, we will be taking a look at all things Butthole through Chapter 8 of Our Band Could Be Your Life. But first, let's introduce our guest. She's the host of NPR's World Cafe. It's Raina Doris. Hey. Hi, Raina. hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this.
2: Thank you for inviting me onto the episode where I get to say all of the words that I'm not allowed to say <laughs> oh, on the radio. This is yes. so thrilling. Wait, is butthole
0: a, uh, a a believable word? You
2: are not allowed to say butthole surfers
0: on the <gasps> air. And
2: it actually what came you up. you say? I mean, I don't even, it came up recently, and I feel like we weren't even allowed to say beehole. Like, it was like <laughs> see, B- that's a, that, the band "bee B- surfers or something like that. I can't remember what, oh what I actually said. But we had to go and check with, like, the brass at uh, at <laughs> the show, and they were like, no, you, you still can't say that.
0: The expletive de- deleted surfers. Didn't they have to do that for, what was it, fucked up? Oh the yeah, New York, Times, New York famously, Times where they were like expletive deleted up or something
2: yeah. yeah I mean that even I feel like I was allowed to say effed up when that came mm. up but like butthole like b-hole is still too evocative you still picture it and you yeah, can't it's,
0: <laughs> it's tough because both the butt and the hole are evocative of exactly something. Yep. yeah yeah it's funny. I mean, it would be funny if they took that all the way and you couldn't like say the name of the band Hole. But I guess Hole could te- technically be there a could be a hole in the ground. Yeah, a hole in the ground. But hole we all know soul. we all know what they're talking about.
2: Exactly. And I mean, also like I feel like in this uh, episode we will get to say another man's sack. We another get to say sack. pussy horse. Like there's all sorts of fun <laughs> things. I'm excited. To but talk hey, what about.
0: even is a p- pussy horse? Come uh, on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very satisfying word. Rem- yeah, like that horse. album title, Rembrandt Pussy Horse. It's
0: beautiful. We were just talking about this before you logged on is like the evocativeness of all their phrases and they talk about in the book how they were just like random words that Gibby uh, and Paul would like bat back and forth but like independent worm saloon. Yeah. It just it it, it feels good to say and I like it. it, it, it's evocative yeah. What What is the quote for, from uh from? It's
1: It's provocative. Gets the people going. I don't yeah, know what exactly. it means. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not as gets well. the people going. Uh, anyway, so let's uh, let's go around and talk about our um, our, our priors with the, with with the bee holes. Uh, Molly, do you want to go first?
1: I will go first. Um, this is a classic band that I did not really dig into until the book. But they did. I feel like I knew I knew about them pretty early on, and I want to say that they maybe appeared in like a, a compilation of some sort that my dad had uh, for something, and I like maybe some kind of like '90s rock thing, and I just remember thinking both like as a kid just being like butthole surfers that's an interesting (laughs) name is that allowed like (laughs) and also i feel like instinctively i knew and it was confirmed once i read this book i'm like the kind of people that would name their band that i just knew that that is who they were and then i read the the segment and i was like okay yeah this this checks out but yeah no i i hadn't really dug into uh the the buttholes until uh
0: until the book i will go uh I believe I first encountered butthole surfers on Beavis and butt (laughs) head, uh, in which they reviewed. And I, again, this was, they were a band that I like kind of knew being in the, the air. Although I think the popularity of pepper as like a surprise. Number one hit was like a little before my like radio consciousness or uh, before the age where I was like clocking, you know, songs that were on the radio as, as, as being of an origin and not just being of like ambient music that existed. Uh, but I, I I knew of them and I was like that that they must be a joke right that's that's a band that could only be like a comedy act like Weird Al Yankovic or something mm-hmm. and then I uh, I believe I saw the Beavis and Butthead clip where they were watching Who Is in My Room last night and goddamn does that song fucking go <laughs> uh, and I had uh, I always had like at least one like the MP3 of Who Is in My Room last night when on all my like players and stuff uh, throughout uh, all my music collecting and it was but again it wasn't until this where I like really. Reading this when I really went in and was like, "Okay, let's check out, let's check out this other man's sack and see what it's all about." Uh, and I was not disappointed, though I still think who was in my room last night is the 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 one that, that always hits the best for me. Uh, how about you, Rena? Um,
2: you know, I, I think similarly, I feel like I always had kind of an awareness of the butthole <laughs> surfers because, like, when you're a kid, uh, you know, you hear the phrase butthole surfers. That just, like, sticks with you, and you're like, I yeah. love that. Uh, I need I need to get involved yeah. with this. I don't know yeah. what it
0: is, but I need to get involved.
2: And, like, I mean, I probably saw, you know, in The Simpsons, I think there is a scene where, like, Rod or Todd Flanders, I can't remember which one, is wearing a buttholster for a shirt. And <laughs> I feel like that was probably the first. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure when I first started in radio, I worked at, like, a, you know, straight ahead, like, jock rock music station in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty positive I paid I played Pepper on that station. Um, but when I really started to actively <laughs> search stuff out about them, you know, I was always really fascinated by psychedelic drugs. And I think mm-hmm. that the moment that like I kind of switched on to Butthole Surfers was in university, I started getting into Daniel Johnston. And there's that legend mm-hmm. that Daniel Johnston took acid and went to a butthole surfer show and basically had a psychotic break. And I was like, oh, man, I need to try this band. I got to hear this stuff. Like, that was it. And, like, for me, I mean, the music almost with butthole surfers feels, like, secondary. Like, they were yeah. the band. They are the band that I most wish I could have seen, like, live at their peak Yes, for yeah. sure. And that was something that I always kind of knew, but – it took me a while to like really dig into the music itself, because if you listen to uh, too much
1: of their music in a row, I feel like it can give you
2: brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: I think Azarad puts in the book, he's like, yeah, um, the music is basically, you can't pay any- attention to anything else while you while you uh, listen to it, and i basically i was putting it I usually listen to the tunes when I'm writing the notes for the podcast, and i I couldn't do it yeah <laughs> it was too it was too distracting
2: and like if you quizzed me on like song titles, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you because so much of it is like. Just like so discordant, there aren't any lyrics that link to the song titles a lot of the time. <laughs> like you're just hearing this sort of uh, sound art piece in a way.
0: The 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 relation between the recorded music and the live show it definitely like as you're listening to it, you feel like I'm you're supposed to be consuming this in another format or something. You <laughs>
2: yeah, <know>? yeah, <laughs> like they're trying to capture that feeling, and and you can kind of work yourself into the right headspace while you're listening to it, but uh, it's. It's not, it's really hard to do to capture that sort of thing. But we'll talk I about al- all that, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I also <laughs> yeah.
0: love, I mean, th- this is the part that'll be at the very end uh, that we probably won't get into because Azerad basically stops writing about bands when they switch to the majors. But it is yeah. so funny thinking about your intro to them as like the outer limits of weirdness for like a jock rock uh, station when they weirdly become like kind of band that has alternative number ones. It's
2: so the, bizarre. It is so bizarre. Like they are like the least likely band in this book. To end Mm -hmm. up getting onto a major label and having a hit. Yeah, probably
0: making millions of dollars off of Pepper alone.
2: Yeah, and (laughs) I mean, I think one thing that I know, uh, you guys have talked about this a bit, and when you're reading through this book, one of the sort of trends is like you watch these bands kind of like sputter out in a way, (laughs) a lot of them. But like Butthole Surfers somehow like defies the odds and is like, yeah, we got signed to a major and made a bunch of money. But
3: it's, yeah, yeah. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll talk about this, but that is like one of the weird, weirdest things to wrap your head around is their like debased insanity of them as people, but also their like dedicated, like organized perseverance to like maintaining the band and like getting material out. Uh, but let's get into to how these <laughs> things play together, Molly. Okay, so we have Jeffrey uh, King
1: Coffee from Fort Worth, Texas. He played in a hardcore band in his youth called the Hugh Beaumont Experience. <laughs> Again, just like the they've got a, a just a taste for the just the right words at the right time. Yes. Uh, also published a zine called Throbbing Cattle. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, and he was 16 years old when he saw uh, Gibson Gibby Haynes play a show in Austin. As he remembers, uh, he was wearing nothing but underpants and occasionally making unspeakable noises with the saxophone. Uh, Gibby was the son of Jerry Haynes, who is better known as Mr. Peppermint. Uh, he was a kitty kitty Like every show detail. Host. Every detail yes. so gets weirder. Ridiculous. It's so crazy. I'm just. this reminds me of when we covered the cramps. I wanna I I can't not remember for sure. I don't think it was a kid TV show, but it was like a public access show that um, the cramps were obsessed with. And just the like public access TV energy is so specifically deranged. And I really, think it can inspire some good music.
0: We really lost something as a culture when we stopped having regional TV. Agreed. Yes. Like, yes. have the idea that there was, like, a Fort Worth area uh, Pee Wee Herman is, yes. so fu- is so funny. But also, like, I, I think it was Elvira's birthday recently, and I was just, like, reading about all those regional, like, horror movie presentations where you would just have a guy in the tri-state area who dressed up like Dracula and presented B-horror movies on Saturday <laughs> nights. Yep. Uh, and every tri-state area would have their own guy like that or girl in Elvira's case. Uh, it it well, I wish we could bring that back, but I guess it's just like <laughs> different niche YouTubers. But but there is something yeah. about like having to go to like the Milwaukee area television studio to like. Make a foam grave tombstone to do your horror movie presentation or ki- or kid uh, show presentation.
2: And to you know like that that there's space being made on like an actual net like a on an actual yeah. channel, and there's money being spent
1: on this thing. Yep, you know that's what makes it really beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, thank you for your service, Mr. Peppermint.
1: <laughs> I w- I would like to hear. I don't think I don't think we hear from Jerry. I don't even know if Jerry's still living, but. I, I would love to get Mr. Peppermint's thoughts on his son.
0: <laughs> on his son's pursuits. And
1: his son, yeah, his, what his son ended up uh, doing. Uh, Gibby was also, you know, he was kind of a freaky guy, but he was also a star athlete, a uh, basketball player. I think he might have also played uh, football as well. That will later be expressed in... Um, uh, I had a, a listener DM me uh, who had some, like... Uh, Basically, wanted to share some extra information that wasn't in the book, and he said that uh, Gibby used his amazing arm to throw beer cans that had been thrown at him back into the crowd with accuracy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he's the rare—he's
1: a punk jock, which is very dangerous. Yes, yes. So Gibby had been playing in that band uh, that uh, King Coffee was watching with Paul Leary, who he met at Trinity University in San Antonio. Paul was an art and business student and a Frank Zappa fan, which I think is important to note. It's oh, yeah. It's a warning sign. Think, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. Some, there's some Zappa
0: energy going on in this. Uh,
1: according to Leary, uh, we both liked horrible music. So, <laughs> so they got together. They started a zine. Um, they moved to uh, Southern California together. They sold Lee Harvey Oswald merch on the beach. <laughs> like, these people are not, they all, like, from the jump, like, there's something just not not quite right <laughs> Uh, and then they come back to San Antonio and started a band that changed its name for every show, that was the band that uh, King Coffee saw, so they had names like Ashtray Baby Heads Nine Inch Worm (laughs) Makes Own Food Vodka Family Winstons, and the the Inalienable Right to Eat Fred Astaire's Asshole. The
2: Vodka Family Winstons actually feels like an okay band name? Yeah. I, I feel like you could almost imagine it being like an Americana band. Yes. <laughs> like when yes. They, yeah. <laughs> they were like suspenders.
0: The, 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 the traveling, what is that? The traveling Wilburry? Uh, oh, yeah, Man like traveling
1: Wilburries for magnetic sure. Zeros. Yeah. Yeah. Trump, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, Vodka Family Winston's is, is very good, actually.
0: Uh, I don't know if you're get, going to get this if I'm spoiling something ahead, but I do also have to mention from this part of Gibby Haynes' life is that he was briefly working at Pete Marwick accounting firm yes uh which is interesting to me because around the same time late 70s early 80s my father worked at pete marwick accounting at a different office in the cincinnati region uh so i like uh, just like i mentioned on a previous episode that my my folks also took advantage of mission of burma's 300 hundred dollar tour like fly anywhere <laughs> but out of you have to go out of atlanta deal i also like to imagine that maybe just maybe uh, at some kind of like regional accountants com- conference, my dad got like bad coffee out of a uh, a Styrofoam cup next to Gibby Haynes, like while they were learning about the newest uh, methods of forensic accounting or whatever.
2: Ask him if he ever met a like nine foot tall man. At,
0: uh... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I think I, I would try to interrogate this by like, who is the weirdest person you ever met at <laughs> at Pete Marwick?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So they uh, they got together as a band. They uh, One of their song titles was Butthole Surfers, and when a promoter uh, at a venue did not remember what they were called, they just introduced them as the Butthole Surfers, and they were like, that's good. Um, let's <laughs> yes. stick with that. Okay.
2: They're very so, like a yes and kind of like improv band, where they're just like, yes, and that will be our name. Yes, yes and we can it. collaborate and add more words to this album title.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, no one is getting like... Uh, uh, re- removed or like vetoed. Every it's just an addition
0: on. Yes. No
2: bad ideas. If you're in the butthole
0: no surfers, yes, <laughs> the butthole surfers. <laughs> That's true. Uh, let's go ahead and listen to butthole. I mean, I know we're a, a, the titular butthole surfers. Yeah, we're a bit off from them recording their first album, but let's listen to uh, yeah, let's uh, the-, the song butthole surfer. Can you hear this, Rana? Yep. Like a kind of fucked up surf rock thing, <laughs> like a bunch of, of silliness going on behind it.
2: I was gonna say it does really sound like surf rocky. Yeah. In a way that I don't usually think about the funhole surfers being.
0: <laughs> but then also like the uh, you know the Igabuga the, the caveman stuff in the background.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would I would like some footage of them in the studio because I bet it was incredibly chaotic. <laughs> like there's one thing I noticed in this chapter
2: that happens a lot like they just start fires a lot like Gibby yeah. is like we'll just like light a pile of posters on fire in the middle of the floor inside and it's like yes. this just happened all the time
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> one thing that that it, whenever it's like written about like that that makes me incredibly nervous is like fires started inside like there was no what, what other band that started a fire in their van because they got in their van because they got pissed off was that Black Flag at some point I, I can't remember okay what of the other bands in, in the, this book started a fire in their van? And I'm like, I don't, I don't like that man. No. Stay away from fire.
1: Yeah, was it like Mission of Burma? Weirdly, Maybe I can't remember. Something, I don't know.
0: And then it picks up here for the last part of this. It's great. Yeah, so that's Butthole Server. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's still more server. No, it, it's like a lot of these songs. It, it, kind Of get the sense that it's not like they can't figure out what they want the song to be, it's just that you know that the it, because, as we were saying, they're all kind of designed for like live dramatism. Like, just imagine how this would the, the almost stopping and then launching back into it uh, even faster and would play off live. Yeah, you can
2: feel it's like spiraling out of control yeah, yeah. as you listen to it. Like, imagine <laughs> I was just picturing, like, well, I can't picture it really, like the butthole Surfers sitting down to like write music like like all right and then we'll uh, like it's it's almost impossible to even fathom them doing that
1: yes
0: all right that's butthole surfer
1: that's the, the, the fake out ending of butthole surfer um so yeah they uh they the band that uh king coffee saw they had another brief stint in california they came back again that's when they met king coffee He joined up uh, in time to contribute to their first EP, which is called Brown Reason to Live. (laughs) And Azurad notes uh, already at this point, their music is both absurdist and scatological. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely the most scatological band in this this book. Uh, And so that came out on Alternative Tentacles. Is that even playable?
0: Let's see. Let's see if I can find Brown Reason to Live. Okay. And this was... uh, J- they saw when they were touring. Jello Biafra saw them and like uh, was like, I need to make this, put this into the world, right? Yes, yes.
2: So I think the Brown um, Reason to Live was it also known as PP the Sailor? It gets it, a little confusing maybe? in that yeah, early right. EP area. <laughs> yes, um, but you can find some of that stuff like from their 1983 sort of first EP is on Spotify under Butthole Surfers, PCP, Pep. Okay. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I can also pull this off YouTube. Okay. Okay, uh, cool. So let's go. This is uh, Brown Reason to Live. Great. And I think this first track is going to be The Shaw Sleeps in Lee Harvey Oswald's Grave. Great.
3: There's a time to fuck and a time to crave, but the Shaw sleeps in Lee Harvey's Grave.
2: Shit and a time for God! The last shit I took was running fucking odd! A great lyric.
3: <laughs> There's a time for trust and a time to be saved, and Jimmy Hendrix
0: obviously chaos, but it's so great. There's a time to fuck
3: and a time to crave, but the Shaw sleeps and lay Harvey's grave.
0: I mean, I just, I totally get it because I, I, I can, I can imagine hearing this for the first time, and at least for me, the first thing that comes to my head is I would like to know more.
1: Sure, absolutely. What else you got? Yes. <laughs>
0: Alright, this is this is almost like, over, so we'll just listen to this whole track. It fills
2: me with like a a giddiness of like yeah. like that feeling when you are, you know, a teenager or something and you know you're doing something bad and stupid and silly. And it yes. like it's so thrilling. Like, I think, even when I was reading through this and I was making a couple notes, like, the word thrill came up so many times uh-huh. to me because when I would listen to stuff, I was like, oh, my God, like, I, this is so <laughs> much fun. Like, I feel like I'm, like, gonna get in trouble for just, <laughs> you know, like, I can imagine, yeah, like, hearing that, being at that, like, a show and hearing that as, like, especially as, like, a teenage teenage kid or something would be yeah.
1: mind-boggling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we We talk a lot on the show about, like, Artistry, being you know the the idea that you can dare to be as dumb as you want to be, and like yes. boho surfers are maybe the perfect version of this. That there's yes. nothing too stupid, and they channel it in such a way that it is it it's so compelling. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's so dumb that it honestly kind of loops back around and is like deep. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like I'm like when he's saying all that shit in in that song, I'm just like, yeah, totally. Wow, <laughs> tell me more. I, I mean,
0: it really. It, even as I was sitting there listening to it, I I couldn't. I was almost gonna quip Like, it's it's uh, fascinating that they're uh, in conversation with pop culture in a way that uh, you know reflects the grossness of our consumer. And I'm like, but it, I don't think that it warrants that that level of analysis. See, just but like I screaming don't know about Harvey Oswald and, and Marilyn uh, Monroe. Yeah,
2: I kind of feel like it. I mean, okay, so the fact that like acid is a big part of like the Butthole Surfer's sort of vibe and story I think is really interesting because it's like their music gives you that feeling of things being very funny and absurd but hum- somehow being profound and connected which is a very yes. uh, acid-y kind of yes. feeling. And like it does feel like there's a deeper meaning that you're like sort of tempted to try to find and I think that is like the Butthole Surfer's question is like is D- there actually <laughs> or is this
1: just yes.
2: stupid for the sake of being as stupid as you can be. I think that's what makes them so interesting.
0: Yep. I think that's totally right. Um, that's like that classic Frank Zappa question. Does humor belong in music?
1: Yeah. The, these These people are like the maybe like the dark... Chat, like the shadow work of Frank Zappa, yes. who is like so curated and so like you know he's writing fucking cheap music for his shit. Yeah, he's playing with orchestras, and then you have the Butthole Surfers. But I do I do feel like that they're opposites of the same pole yeah. of like. And Frank Zappa is also kind of gross and scatological as oh, well. Oh yeah, totally. But he's always the, talking about gross bodily functions. The surfers are way
2: funnier than Zappa,
1: ooh, in my opinion.
2: Ooh. I would say. Well, yeah. it's it's
0: it's a different type of humor, you know. It's like Zappa is like very it's eighties like humor versus sixties like and seventies humor. humor. Yeah, because Frank enough. Zappa does like set up punchline jokes, and these guys are are, are like you know uh, Gallagher or something. Do, they're doing like improv. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know
2: what it reminded me of when I was like really diving into a lot of their stuff. Do you remember when Tom Green, you know, got mm-hmm. he kind of had his like peak of fame, and they gave him all yeah. this money to make Freddie Got Fingered, which yes. Yes. I love personally because yes. I'm a big yes. Tom Green fan. Uh, but that's what this like kind of reminds me of. It's like, okay, especially, you know, when they get signed to be on like a major label, um, it's like, here's some money. And they just like go and do the dumbest stuff they possibly can. Um, which, yeah, I I feel
1: like that's a similar feeling. Totally. Um, well they put that, uh, that album or that EP out on alternative tentacles, but soon there was a new label that came along that seemed uh, u- perhaps uniquely prepared to handle <laughs> the butthole surfers, which was Touch and Go, uh, founded by Corey Rusk, who is a bassist for the Toledo, Ohio punk band The Necros. And Corey basically uh, devoted like his entire life and being to running Touch and Go with his girlfriend, who then became his wife, uh, Lisa Fowler. They had a house... Where they were at host bands as they came through. Like, it just sounded like he was, there wasn't a minute that he was alive that he wasn't, like, trying to run this record label. Uh, and he had heard the Buttholes uh, via, like, tape trading. He was trading tapes with, like, other musicians or whatever, and he found them and was like, holy shit, these people are <laughs> nuts. And then he got a call from them in 1984, and he says both he and Lisa were uh, peeing their pants. Like, they were just so excited that they got picked by the Buttholes. And uh, they, uh, the Buttholes were going on a tour at at that time in 1984, and they put uh, the Touch and Go House as like a stop on their first tour. Uh, they fit five people, two drum sets, two amps, two guitars, two Radio Shack strobe lights, and a female pit bull named Mark Farner of Grand Funk Railroad in their car, <laughs> and uh, and drove up, met met uh, Corey Rusk and Lisa, and were like, "Yeah, great, let's let's be on your label." <laughs>
0: Uh, so a few things here, yes, first shout out mark Farner of grand, grand funk railroad uh the the best good girl dog of the book uh <laughs> second, <laughs> I do want to also mention two drums two uh, drums
1: yes right that D- I missed
0: uh, the addition of Teresa nervosa right uh yes, two standing drum kits uh <laughs> your' which favorite is Chris always a powerful move put put a second drummer on stage oh it's it's always good uh and then finally, their, the description of their touring in, in at least this era just really seems like they would like leave to go on tours with no intention or plan of ever returning. Like they would just like- Yeah, pack they like, everyth- like moved. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they like moved cities.
0: Yeah. They Did were you- like
1: truly like a, a, a rambling, like itinerant road show. Yes. like They were like a circus, honestly. Yes, basically, yes. Yeah, that's like
2: the circus rolls into town, and you're like, okay, here they come. But they were also like, this was they were like destitutely poor at Mm -hmm. this point too, right? Like, there's a story in there about Gibby Haynes like just picking up bottles.
0: Yeah, on the streets and, like, of New crying? York. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: crying? Yeah. It's it was, just so heartbreaking. He was so picking up bottles,
1: and, like, some other punk, like, came and, like, like kicked his, like, bag of bottles, and, like, they went everywhere, and he was just, he was sobbing because he was just so, like, hungry and, and poor.
2: Just this huge, crying man. Yeah. Like, it's so heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> I think there was another story early, maybe before the buttholes had formed, where, uh, Gibby and Leary were playing a show, and their van literally broke down right outside of the place, and like, were told that they weren't allowed to play. I believe and that they was cried a, then too. I yes. believe that was the
0: San Francisco show where they met Jello. Yes, uh, yes. and they like cried outside, and then the, the promoter like allowed them to come in and play like three songs. And yeah. I believe that's where Jello Biafra <laughs> saw them and then like put out their put out their first album.
2: So I, I know like they tell that story in the book. I was reading another piece on. The butthole surfers and the veracity of that jello story is like disputed and sure. no one okay. knows for sure. I'm... But no, no, no. But I yeah. I didn't know that. Like I didn't know that till reading this piece. And I was like, that throws so many things into question about the butthole surfers. Like yes. are they ever telling you right. the truth about anything? Like how much... Is lore and how much, yeah,
0: Yeah. which is so interesting. I could, I could very much imagine these guys at the time, like whenever anybody asked them questions, just like making up shit, totally, like at will. Yep. Why would you ever tell the truth about anything related to the butthole servers?
1: Um, in addition to being, yeah, basically, you know, driving from town to town without a home base and uh, panhandling and, and scavenging uh, bottles and cans, uh, Mark Kramer from Shockabilly basically just described the, the entire band as being more or less insane and like constantly on, on acid or drunk, just like completely debilitated, even to the point of like whoever was driving the car was yes. probably on acid, which I'm just like... <laughs> It's amazing that they're all, th- that they made it, because <laughs> it seems like they were really living on the edge. It, yeah, it, like it was literally dangerous, what yes.
0: they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> it really seems like it, it. the early years were like uh, this this cycle of just like packing up the entire band, moving to a different city with a punk scene, like losing funds or or like planning to go anywhere else. The entire band, like, doing drugs and and slowly going insane with each other to the point of a nervous breakdown and then packing the whole thing up and moving to another city for, like, a stretch of months.
2: You know, um, have you guys seen that movie Free Solo? It's about the guy who climbs, like, the rock face without any ropes or anything. I watched that today. Like, it was just on TV. And as I was watching it, like, feeling, like, nauseous and, like, dizzy, I was like, this is kind of how I feel thinking about, like, doing that. (laughs) Like, being like, okay, we don't know where we're going. We are going to just go on tour and do absolutely like batch it stuff. And yeah. it's, and I was like, Oh, these are the same yep. feeling.
1: Yep. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the idea of just not having any structure and I do think it's funny and it maybe makes sense why they made it through to the nineties and, and beyond is like, you know, other stories in this book, you just hear, there's usually at least one guy in the band who kind of is not a square, but sort of at least has it together and is driven insane by the mess and squalor and uh, uncertainty and randomness of touring. None of these people are like (laughs) that. They are all completely down to clown. Yes, they're all maniacs.
2: Every now and then like somebody will be kind of like that in the band like usually it's a bassist and then they end up just leaving.
1: Yes, that's um, one that's the one role.
2: <laughs> but there yeah. is I think there's a great quote from like Lee Ronaldo in there where he's like they were insane on and off stage. There was no dividing line. Yeah. <laughs> it is just like okay. Like that's such a scary idea that they yes. were the same as they were on stage. Yeah.
1: That yeah, that is absolutely terrifying. Um, so they, amidst all of this chaos, they put out uh, "Psychic Powerless," another Man's sack, which is a, um, <laughs> just a combination of uh, of it was "Psychic Powerless" and then another guy wanted to call it "Another Man's Sack," and they were just like, "All right, put it together." <laughs> you know what? It's good. Yeah, it's good. It works. <laughs> um, any any other another tune to pick from? from yeah, that let's one? do "Lady
0: Sniff" <laughs> off of this. <laughs> Like prospector voice on this. I was gonna say
1: this has Texas energy. Yeah, big Texas energy.
3: <laughs> yeah. big Texas energy.
0: It sounds it sounds like an Arkham drawing of a of a cowboy, <laughs> like <laughs> strutting down like an old west saloon town.
2: Totally. Oh,
1: It's like when Ferris Bueller had that um, yeah, the, like samples of uh, being sick noises that he played on the phone.
0: <laughs> I do really like all the uh, the twangy guitar work on the, on these songs, though. I mean, it's funny because like the highlight is. The comedy in the wild vocal performance, but the backing tra- track is a real, uh, you know, it's a real jam.
2: <laughs> the guitar, it, for some reason, it gives me like Primus yes. vibes. Mm, the song, I'm sure Primus specifically. Are, are Butthole fans. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting to think about like the different bands that kind of like. You could maybe trace their origins back to hearing stuff like this, like like Primus and Nirvana going in just like completely different directions <laughs> from what they <laughs> might have heard.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. We're not, we don't have to do all <laughs> <laughs> you get, you get the idea. It's good. That's Lady Sniff off Psychic Powerless, another man That's great.
1: Well, so they, you know, they've obviously recorded music. Uh, as we've been talking about previously, live shows were definitely where, where their sweet spot was in terms of their artistry. Uh, a photographer named Michael Ma- uh, uh said that Gibby had star status. All of us that were around him were aware that this was a person who unfolded like a flower, but in his case, the flower that unfolded turned into this creature (laughs) (laughs) i love that line so much too it's so funny
2: it's like the corpse flower that like blooms once a year but (laughs) smells like shit like
1: (laughs) that is that is gibby 100 percent. so yeah they i mean the the tricks that they would do on stage uh gibby would sing through a megaphone uh he would come on stage with like a dummy taped to his body that he would be dancing with and then he would rip off of him and start attacking um, he would do tricks with like uh, fake blood-filled condoms that were taped all over his body. That he would like <laughs> launch himself on the ground and uh, get covered in blood. Uh, there was a flaming symbol trick as well, where I think symbol uh, was doused with lighter fluid and set on
0: fire. You can uh, uh, famously see that trick depicted on the Butthole Surfers' uh, appearance on the uh, not the Gary Shanley on the the Larry Sanders show. Okay, yeah, oh uh, right,
1: I remember you showed me this, Chris.
0: Yes, because. Later in their career, they develop a fascination with comedian Gary Shandling, and create a song called Gary Shandling. And then, when Gary Shandling has his show playing a fake version of himself who who, hosts a late night show called The Larry Sanders Show, one of the episodes of the night show within the show has Butthole Surfers on as the guests playing Gary Shandling and Gibby Haynes doing the lighter, the symbol filled with uh, kerosene flame trick so uh i would i would recommend going to look that up i bet it's on youtube uh, i did
2: not know that they were gary Shanling fans and now that makes so much sense
0: yes well i don't know if they're fans but i think it's like their rem thing where they just like developed a fascination with them and we're like it's like it's it would be funny to be fans of if we were big gary <laughs> Shanling like
2: like that's the thing is anything they ever do sincere
0: yeah. right
2: yeah like again that question like just keeps popping up
3: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, speaking of the REM thing, yeah, they they, uh, at one point they're just like, let's move to Athens, Georgia um, to basically (laughs) stalk REM. (laughs) And they like, they moved to this town where REM is. And at this point, they're, they're, you know, definitely getting to be a bigger band. And they definitely have a love hate relationship with their songs where they'll hear it on the radio and be like, this sucks. And then they'll be singing (laughs) it to themselves. Uh, Also, that
2: decision came from like when they were high and they were like, this would be a funny idea.
1: Yes. And they yes. just
2: go for it.
1: Yeah. And, and they, they live invite there for one like of them,
0: <laughs> almost a year. <laughs> the,
1: yeah. At one point, I think they, I can't remember which REM member they like invite to a a barbecue or something. And he's just like, no, no, oh, no yeah. thanks, man.
2: And it's like actually kind of sad. Like, it's yeah. like, the, like you could, see, at least in the telling of it, it sounds like they genuinely were hoping that he would show up. Yeah. And yes. then he doesn't. And it's like, was this a joke? Or are you guys like actually disappointed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the moving to Athens is in- incredibly funny. Uh, also I was debating whether or not to, to share the story for time, but I feel like I might as well share it cause it's around this time in the book is that there's an incident with a suitcase and Amy Carter, uh, Jimmy Carter's daughter. Oh, yes. Where, uh, I think it's, G- is it Gibby? I think it's Gibby who's like staying at someone's house who's friends with Amy Carter, and Amy Carter was there and was about to be picked up by her parents uh, at, like, President four in the morning. President Jimmy Carter. President Jimmy Carter. And had her suit, like, her luggage, like, waiting to be picked up. And, like, Secret Service was there. And, like, when they were, like, leaving or something, Gibby, like, touched his penis to the suitcase just so that he could say... That uh, his pe- his penis touched suitcase was uh, heading back with the president, un- like unbelievable.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, the way that the way that it's described is like the band is like staying downstairs and like Amy Carter is yeah. upstairs and they're like huddling behind a curtain like scared dogs as like the Secret Service shows up and the
2: president walks in and they and they like cheered when he like touched the handle. I feel yeah. like yeah, like yes, he's touched Gibby Haynes' penis by yes. proxy. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> it's un- Touch the unbelievable. Handle, Jimmy. Oh God! Um, so yeah, they—that's <laughs> their vibe. Um, they put out another album, the wonderfully named Rembrandt Pussy Horse. <laughs> Wonderful you, record. I, I I do think the the acid thing that you mentioned that like that the, that is just such an acid thing to be like. That's a funny. Those words are funny together. Like, what does it mean? I don't know. Ka- it feels it like it something. Means something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you like lock onto it as like a a, a touchstone of some sort. Uh, Should we listen to something from Rembrandt Pussy Horse?
0: Yeah, we'll listen to two things off this. First is uh, Creep in the Cellar, which is the first track. Hey, piano.
2: (laughs) What? And I want to note that that sounds so much like Neil Young's Heart of Gold. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's the... (laughs)
0: So I wa- I wanted to talk about the the thing that they were like, for all their wildness, that they were kind of like studio heads.
1: Yeah. Like they went
0: uh, out of their way to, and Gibby kind of like knew that he that it would be good to control these things. So they like, when they weren't you know itinerantly traveling around, they would like scrounge up enough money to like buy a house in Texas and like turn it into an elaborate home studio, so they could just like fuck around and like kind of, uh, I mean, from the sound of it, kind of, like, meticulously construct these albums yep. uh, on, on their own terms, in their own time, without having to, like, rent studio space. Which is the yep. interesting flip side to them being, like, like, monsters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, just, like, creeping around the country, putting on these wild shows. But then when they get the chance, they, like, buy the house, build the studio, sit down, like, like... Meticulously construct these albums that like reflect the whole thing. It, it, it's this weird dichotomy of the band. And
2: I think this song, that violin, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, was not there like they're playing. That was on a tape that they were using, and it had like it, it had already been used in the studio that they were recording in, and they just kept it because it worked with the song. <laughs> That's so wild. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was like a scratch track of a violin recording,
2: something like that.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, now we're going to move on to their cover <laughs> of American Woman.
1: Yes, <laughs> great.
2: And, like talk about a cover like this that it just says so much on its own yes <laughs> like, <laughs> it feels like they're like I-, I can't figure out the exact phrase I would use but like it's like I kept thinking reanimating garbage even though the song isn't technically garbage like the song American Mut- Woman <laughs> but it's like they're like making these like weird monsters out of like trash yes. that they find yes. it feels very like found art esque yes. <laughs> yes yes And, like, they do have a fascination. I mean, they also did a cover of Donovan's uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man. Like, they're they're sort of 60s, 70s music kind of fascination, which I think is really interesting, too, when you consider how their shows kind of, like, 60s, like, happenings. Like, they're, like, freaking you out, man.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, the the dog's name was uh, Mark Farner of Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. They were (laughs) legitimately fans of this. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying about this, because it is, like, it is both, like, a complete, take of the song but it's like you wouldn't make this if you didn't love the song you know yeah it it, it has that like we, yeah like weird outsider art quality where you if you ask them like why would you make this cover like this they they would be like we were just trying to play the song the best we could you know <laughs> like totally this is how i
1: based. hear the like, song in is my head this is what the song sounds like to me <laughs> yes <laughs> Anyway. The the recreation of the the riff is very, very funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and like the the completely like deconstructed drums that also sound like they were stitched together like by beat. Yeah. On a a, uh, tape. And it's also like you know considering that first song that we listened to off the brown reason uh track this is not where you would imagine that band would end up two albums later and yet it makes complete sense yeah oh my god <laughs> that was american <laughs> woman
1: now i'm just thinking that you know that that original the the guess who uh tune came out in 1970 so that's the sev- that is the 70s version this is the 80s version, and then, of course, the 90s version is the Lenny Kravitz uh, cover recorded for Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> well,
2: I think that's, like, really interesting, too. It's like, think about what else was happening in the, in the mid-80s when the butthole surfers were doing that compared to, like, the 70s. It was like, Reagan, there was, like, Nancy yeah. Reagan being, like, you know... Just say no to drugs and all yeah. that stuff, and like this, like idea of this clean, perfect, clear-cut idea of what America should be, and then like the butthole surfer is coming in to just subvert that, yeah, uh, completely. Um, versus like you know the original American woman coming out in 1970 during the Vietnam War. It's like a yeah. very, I don't know. It is kind of interesting to think of it that way.
1: Um, yes. In the decades for, that they represent. for
0: every for every generation <laughs> there there will be an American woman. Every every generation
1: <laughs> for, gets the American woman well, they the, deserve. They deserve yes. Do we have one for the
2: two thousands yet? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. There That's was Letty Kravitz, question. I think, was at the end of the nineties. End of the
1: right,
0: 90s Nineties. Yeah. We're so we're due for another take. We're on overdue, American, for, American, an overdue for another <laughs> American <laughs> woman. If I'm anyone's not,
1: listening and and has has heard of a of a good one, send, I would. Send it I would like
0: like some. See my my pitch is like. If I'm shopping this idea around, I would like, I don't know, somebody in like the ASAP crew to do, to, to be like, what is your American woman? You know, yes. that's, that seems like the right, the right place yeah, to go.
1: For sure. Um, where are we in their lives? So their reputation is growing a little bit. Uh, their live shows are getting more intense. Uh, it's at, uh, around this point in the mid eighties where they are projecting films on a backdrop as they're playing and these films are absolutely horrifying and disgusting. There's <laughs> autopsies, there's surgery, there's accident scenes. Uh, it has. And that, I, yeah. w- I was
0: going to bring that up at the very beginning that that it was yeah. very funny that like <laughs> dis- disgusting medical th- photos are a throughline of the band. Like Paul and uh, Gibby like originally bonded over their fascination with like weird medical journals, and uh, Gibby almost got f- fired. From Pete Marwick using their Xerox machine to make yes. his zine that's just like pictures of like disgusting yes. medical procedures. They were like,
2: they were shit posters before the internet. Yeah. Like, and I also feel like it's a, they were kind of like doing that thing where you show somebody like Mr. Hands or Goatsy or like the BBS yes. Pain Olympics. Yes. But like when you didn't have the internet to do that with yet. Yes.
0: Yeah. They were like Ron.com guys.
1: Yeah. Oh my exactly. God.
3: That is um, so true. All right.
0: I'm, I found so i was looking through a bunch of old live recordings of them and there are thankfully like a lot of bands in this book almost surprisingly a lot of like fairly high quality well-documented like live shows from this time it's hard to find a video that really seems like it encapsulates the full extent of of a butthole surfers thing but but here is one that i found that i'll play like a minute of uh for you guys i'm going to share the whole screen for this um so you guys can see something we'll just vibe out on this for a second (laughs) You can see the naked woman on this one. Uh, oh, this yeah. video
1: is that tada the the uh, yeah the shit lady tada the so. shit lady. <laughs> Another thing I was
2: excited to get to say yeah. on the
1: show. <laughs> yeah, you're really uh, breaking the boundaries of
0: uh, what is what is approved. On... It's a big day for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is uh, from May 1987 in the Buttholes playing in Atlanta. I think I'm not getting see, like,
1: sound from this. Are you just Are you just showing the the visuals? Oh, let's as see. It I, I don't know if I am. You might One other to, thing,
2: Chris, yeah. if you uh, if you can find it, their uh, blind eye sees all. It was like from a VHS tape, uh, and their shows at Tracks in 1985. There's a whole thing where they're like sitting in bed together without shirts on, <laughs> and it's like the most high drunk guys thing I've ever seen. Like it's just like them riffing in bed. <laughs> and
0: it's great. Why <laughs> diocese? I'll look that up after this. Great. I, so I think you can get some of a sense of just how, like, weird and menacing this whole thing would be. Like, there's just colored lights. There's just a strobe light going off constantly in the background. Yeah. Which is the thing that I Teresa think. Teresa Nervosa
1: eventually had health problems from being exposed to a strobe light so yeah. often. I think she had, like, an aneurysm eventually, which is. I think terrifying. it was seizures, but seizures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah,
2: I didn't even know that you could get those from, like, just from being exposed for a long time. Like, yeah, but
0: it's
2: (laughs)
1: scary.
0: Right. But yeah, there's, like, you can see the fog going. You can see, like, weird images kind of being, like, projected through. It is both, like, goofy and menacing.
2: Yeah. They're also, like, you know, the side of the butthole surfers that I feel like people don't really talk about as much because they're so, like, puerile and juvenile and stuff is like there's a sexiness to this. Like yes. Gibby Haynes is hot, yes. and like having a naked woman dancing on stage is also hot. You know, yeah. it's like, and they also famously like there's a show where, and they talk about this in in the book, um, where like Gibby basically has sex with Kathleen Lynch on stage. On stage, and it's like this yep. legendary show, and it's like there's a There is like a real sexiness to the band, even though like their songs are full of fart sounds and like, yeah,
1: they're, they're, uh, they're doing bodies and spaces Yes, they are in all the ways, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) including sexually. (laughs)
0: Uh, Another thing that, uh, as Molly has pointed out to me in the past is, is hot is, uh, two drummers, two people drumming at the same time, uh, doing the same thing. Uh, I think
1: that's hot. I could see that. Yeah. Like you have to listen to each other. yeah. Yeah.
0: At least the that's connection. what that's what Molly pointed out after we uh, the last time we saw the, or the first time we saw the OCs in their in their two drummer uh, man lineup. Molly
2: just go see King Crimson they've got like four drummers you're gonna
3: have <laughs> you're gonna lose I your
0: mind out. <laughs> so damn th- damn you're so right th- we've got the projections going now it looks like they're they're projecting some kind of coral or aquatic scene.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing is that they do they mix up their uh, you know, horrifying, disgusting videos with some like good vibes ones and sometimes they'll have it on screen at the same time.
0: Yeah. So but it I get, doing, I, I get sorry, the sense, Yeah, I just I get the sense that it, it isn't like we're they're not like we they are not they are not projecting them too gross people out. They're just like, here's some shit that we have. Like, you know, it, it's it's all these things. It's gross and it's it's fun and it's nice and it's uh, evil. It's it's everything.
1: There's I a, mean, doing acid to this would not yeah. be pleasant. Anyone who wants to do take acid and go to a butthole surfer show is really risking it all. Yeah, that's
0: too much. <laughs> too much, man.
2: I feel like I'm so intrigued by the idea that I kind of wish I could, <laughs> even though I'm scared of it. It's like you're really taking your, uh, again, I'm going back to that free solo climbing thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like you're really, it could go either way. You yeah. could have a wonderful experience or you could just, you know, die.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the quote from, uh uh, leery about just like their the vibe that they were creating with their music and their shows that I think you touched on Raina like he said we made music that moms would really hate show included <laughs> and I feel like the definition of of punk rock for them is basically just like what would you what would freak out your parents and I think that's as good of a barometer as any it kind of reminds me of Eminem later on of just Eminem <laughs> being like yeah my whole thing is basically going to be making your parents like worry for for you uh, worry for your for your health and, and
0: mindset. I mean I think that's a genu- generally a good philosophy to take about music in general is like if you're making something that you think would freak parents out you're probably on the right track. You're on direction. the right track. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I think maybe I'll share one more story before if we want to sample anything from their EP, Cream Corn from the Socket of Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal. Uh, they so they're they're playing shows, they're touring, they go to Europe. Um, they and there's just an incredible story from when they play in Europe. They play uh, the Pandora's Box Festival in the Netherlands, <laughs> this and is Gibby so good. just goes, he loses his mind. Um, he ends up, he's totally naked. He's wasted. He ran away from the band and uh, went to uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds set <laughs> and starts trying to hassle Nick Cave on stage. <laughs> it's so uh, wild to
2: even think about that happening.
1: It's like trying to picture Can you imagine happening? that happening at like a modern day festival of like someone reporting on being like, uh, yeah, a band member from a different set came and hassled a, a, yes. the main stage performer and got basically punted by security. Also,
2: like, Nick Cave. Like, it's Nick like, Cave. <laughs> what a weird artist to do that to. And at a Nick Cave show, like, he comes out, he reaches out to the audience and, like, touches people. It feels very, like, a religious thing. And then you just have Gibby Haynes, like, torpedoing into it. And the
0: way like, yes. He, like, tries to climb onto the stage and, like, a, a one of the security guys basically, like, knocks him out flat onto the ground. Yeah, like, And he's, like, him unconscious. unconscious for, like, for a minute and then bolts back up and tries to do it again. Yeah.
2: He's like superhuman. I yeah. feel like Gibby Haynes is like not from this planet. Like yeah.
0: he, he went, <laughs> he's he, a creature. He, he went Hulk mode uh, at this festival because it, like the, then he locks himself in the, the the dressing room and like barricades the door shut with all their guitars and and stuff and like yep. d- demands to get paid again even after they got paid the first. It's like he he, he, he was a true demon at this festival.
2: Leary, when that story started being told in the book, is like. Yeah, the Dutch are awful. And you're like, Wait, no, you're
1: awful. Like, yes. You're the ones who were awful. He was like, <laughs> the idea that he was like being driven nuts by like the the reasonableness of of the Dutch. <laughs> I'm just like, it's what what is wrong with you? I just I love the way. Uh, I mean, Gibby says some uh, unconscionable stuff, including some uh, some F mm-hmm. slurs that, that are not good. But when he's running away from security, uh, he screams, he says, I'm sorry, I'm fucking sorry. Please don't beat me anymore. I have a brain tumor. I can't help the way I am. Please don't hit me again. It's against my religion. <laughs> like, he's like a bad little boy. Like, yeah. who's,
2: again, like, so huge and terrifying. But, like, it's like he's got, like, the, the, the uh, temperament... Of like a bad kid.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and just and being that unbelievably wasted like strips him to his essence which is uh, a, a terrifying essence <laughs> yeah. but also incredibly funny. The Don't he, hit me again, it's against my religion <laughs> is such a funny thing to say this to del- a Dutch security <laughs> guard.
0: <laughs> the oil-water relationship between all the American bands when they go to Europe is always so funny because every, every single group seems to react negatively in a different way through different things like either the either the europeans treat them too nicely and they like have revulsion against that or they find the europeans too rude to them whether it's like black flag in the uh italian kissing riot that they uh went to where they were like all the like their van gets turned over by a bunch of italian guys who just want to uh, uh, like hug, hug and them kiss and them and get th- their tell them how much they love they love them or yeah. well, like uh, Thurston Moore yelling at the, the English press about how much he fucking hates them and thinks that they're dirt and disgusting. And then the, the English guys write them up being like, excellent, we love this.
2: Yes, they're so <laughs> taken by like the uncouthness of these Americans every single time.
1: It may, I mean, it makes sense then why you would, as just a, a, a band full of American assholes, be like, they, they, it freaks them out. They love it over there yes. across the pond. Like The more, the harder we go, the funnier it yeah. is. You and got, yet if dude, we act you, this way here, we'd get kicked out of the club and aren't allowed to play. Again,
0: dude, you guys, you, well, you got to go to Europe. You can treat them like dirt and they just love you more.
1: it <laughs> <laughs> was, I, I don't, I actually can't remember if it was in this segment or not, but someone was talking about the conditions of touring in Europe where, like, you might play at a punk club and then be like, they'll be like, okay, yeah, you, you're sleeping here. Uh, you're sleeping in like a horrible, like, bathroom covered in rats. And we're locking you in so you can't get out because, like, we we have to lock in all of our stuff. It just like it sounds so horrible. Yes. And yet you're in Europe playing playing shows. How exciting! <laughs> uh, in anyway, back back in the band story, there's some more personnel changes. Uh, Teresa nervosa quits. Uh, finally, and she gets replaced by a woman named Cabbage, who really couldn't play the drums at all. Cabbage, poor
2: Cabbage. Shout out and to they, Cabbage. <laughs> and like they say that like we thought that she was gonna get better, and she just didn't. Yeah, like she never got any better, <laughs> and it's so sad.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, she'll, yeah, g- give her a couple shows, like she'll figure it. She out. She has a
0: whole other drummer that she can kind of just like copy.
1: Yeah, yeah, still not, still
0: yeah. can't do it. No,
1: you can't you can't teach rhythm at the end of the day, sorry cabbage. Um but cabbage had a friend named Kathleen Lynch Uh, Who came to one of the shows and uh, hopped on stage and became uh, part of that insane show that you mentioned, where Gibby basically ends up having sex with her? And the the story is relayed by someone who, like, missed the show. And he, like, was like, So, how was it? And the guy was like, Gibby was like, He was fucking this girl on stage for, like, 45 (laughs) minutes. (laughs) And then he also, this is the same show that he uh, sprays the audience with his piss wand, which is a plastic wiffle ball bat full of urine. Yes,
2: incredible. He pees into the little plastic <laughs> hole at the end of the bat somehow, like and fills it.
1: Up that that is the that is butthole surfers in a nut, in a nutshell because you have to really you focus get... on making it that gross. <laughs> yes, perfect. Exactly.
2: Yes, yes, yes a perfect, a perfect analogy. You, you
1: have to really try to get the pee in the bat, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that's that that is them. Kathleen becomes she's nicknamed Tada the Shit Lady after an anecdote of uh, her getting hired to work at like a, a sex club in New York where she uh sprays her clients with diarrhea. Can't make this sh- I was going to say you can't make this shit up. Maybe you could, but it sounds like everyone again, is corroborating it. I don't know.
0: Again, everything about this band. Uh, this is the band that most things might be lies about, but also I'm ready to believe anything.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: she never even was like officially a part of the band. She just no. kind of went with them and would like show up sometimes. And like Yeah, they
1: said she was like the wind. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Just imagine. And I like the yeah. story, about how she doesn't like to bathe or wash her clothes either. Like yes. she was just a very stinky lady. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, it was like largely also mute. Like she she would refuse to talk for long periods of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. seems fascinating like a, person. Yeah, yeah. A very a very weird person.
1: I hope she's well. Not not sure where she is. Not. sure where I feel like is I now.
2: heard that she like lives like a totally normal life now. Like she <laughs> is just like lives in the suburbs and has like a regular job and I she. Feel- turned out completely like I mean all these guys that's the thing everybody in this band like Gibby who was basically an accountant Mm -hmm. you have uh, Coffee I think recently and I actually think this is on his Wikipedia page he uh, recently won the best yard in his neighborhood award like they are so (laughs) aggressively regular outside of this world this like phase of being in the band Uh,
1: I love that yeah that's great uh, that that's that's incredible.
2: <laughs> okay, Yard of the Month, Yard and of the local, Month <laughs> in 2014. he won Yard, Yard of the Month, month. King
1: coffee? Wow. I want,
0: does he still live in Texas? Because that seems like one of those things that Texans would take very seriously. If King of the Hill gives like uh, tells me anything about how Texas works, that's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so they they finished their next album. At this point, they have built out that home studio that you mentioned that lets them really take their time on things. uh, Whereas, you know, other bands in this album seem to struggle to get studio time and everything seems to be recorded super haphazardly or like you have to really squeeze in things in like a couple of days. So they're they're doing the opposite of that. And this album is called Locust Abortion Technician. (laughs) Uh, Should we listen to something from Locust Abortion? These all sound like stage warm ups. Yes. Like for like to Vocist warm up your voice. Abortion technician. Yeah, yes. yes. They're yes. hitting like, all like of the like consonants and vowel yep. sounds. Yeah, enunciation. Oh man, uh, this album rocks. Yes, it's let's do. So
0: uh, let's listen to Sweet Loaf. With the, uh, play on, of course. Black Sabbath's Sweet Leaf. Uh, these guys love classic rock.
1: You. <laughs>
2: It gets louder. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the song is like almost seven minutes long or six minutes long, so I'm not sure how long we should sit with this warm up into the uh, into it. Yes, son. What, what, what? Well son, a funny thing about regret is that it's better to regret something you have done than to regret something you haven't done. And by the way, if you see your mom this weekend you' be sure and tell her Satan, Satan, Satan! Satan.
2: I feel like you hear a lot of the time people will say, oh, it's like this, but on acid. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But this is the only band where I actually feel like that. Yes. <laughs> like, where it's like where that uh, descriptor actually makes sense. Like the, just the stuff they do with like the echoing audio and then just making it like sound weirder and weirder and weirder. And you're like, I feel like I like things. I don't feel normal yeah. when you yes. listen to it.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah and like how all the songs are just constantly changing even when you think you get a you, Yeah you get like done. everything's Prog. sort of just shifting
2: and blending yep. and spiraling Uh, it's always an interesting choice To begin your album with a cover
0: Yes
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> But I feel like not a lot of bands can get away with yeah, Without it sounding kind of lame
0: But it's also It's kind of genius in a way Because it's like It it, it gives you such a good introduction to the band it's like Alright This is what this band is It's this thing you already know But done this way
2: totally and now mm. and
0: now we can go through and do, okay so this is obviously the song we've been listen, listening to like half, half of this <laughs> uh, let's do a, an original too just to get another sense of this this is The Omen of like how to comment on these because there's so many different things going on that you can talk about like all the weird like studio manipulations the the stupid but great vocals the again like the back the the, the underlying track which like rocks
2: yeah it sounds like they just like took a song like a and they put it in a blender yes basically yes
0: Yeah, like, a, a lot of these, like, studio things, yeah. Like, you were talking about how they found the, um, the the violin thing and just put their track over it. It almost sounds like they, like, found, like, a Southern fried rock band's tapes and then just, like, recorded their own stuff on top of it, which is a little, like, uh... uh do you guys know Culture Side? No. Uh, just because I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Whacked Out in the 80s bands, uh, I was thinking about this other... Band from this time called Culture Side, which would basically do exactly this, uh, and I, I just want to play a little bit of them. They would just take uh, uh, tracks uh, from other things and then just record themselves on top of it. Let's see, I've got to find the, the right one. This is a uh, Bruce off Culture Side's tacky <laughs> souvenirs of pre-revolutionary America. Okay. Other, other Texans, I believe.
2: What's going on down there? Then <laughs> <Man>, I record a <laughs> new <it>. LP For a in the morning
3: I go to bed and everyone's like me I ain't nothing but tired And I'm just tired and bored with myself But I'm a working class hero
1: <laughs> it is supposed to be something that I sell. You this is literally a cover. Yeah. He's covering the song. You can't sell the product without <laughs> a face.
2: Oh my god.
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, that's culture side. I was thinking about that recently <laughs> when thinking about like weird eighties Texan nonsense, but I like I heard of this. That's that's obviously that's, the way 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 that's way like the the I guess, even more joke version of, of what we're talking about. Uh, but it kind of sounds like the Butthole servers are doing that to themselves, you know?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. <laughs> I really like, I always like uh, discovering new annoying music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of my favorite genres. That yes, exists. So that Culture
0: Side album is all on, is all on, a. uh, uh, YouTube. YouTube, I would highly recommend checking it out.
1: Yeah, are, are they even allowed to put that on, like, a regular streaming site?
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I, again, like, we were talking about, like, Negative Land in the uh, last episode getting sued, <laughs> their album about you 2 getting sued out of existence. I believe that this is a band that put out, like, two albums that became cult hits and then were, like, either threatened with suits by, like, Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> people or were just, like, we, kind of like Girl Talk, like, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> this yeah. Is, this is too much Uh, uh danger. Yep.
1: Um, so yeah, by by the late '80s, butthole surfers could command six thousand dollars for a single show, uh, and they were also I mean, known, giving people their money's worth. That's the thing; they are giving people their money's worth, and I'm sure that they are selling uh, ma- many tickets to <laughs> when they are playing. Uh, and they're also kind of known for being at this point like very cutthroat and manipulative in business dealings and that's kind of the the subtle core of them is that they're incredibly chaotic and yet there's always a mind toward like getting paid trying to get paid the most amount of things which is you know it's it's definitely different it's a different attitude than a lot of the other bands in this book and they're definitely not in like the the SST discord or even other like touch and go band tribes like they are very much their own thing not necessarily participating in that like mutual aid organization of DIY (laughs) they are doing it for themselves (laughs) they're kind
2: of a very like I mean I guess and they they mentioned this in the book but like a very Texas kind of or like even just a very American band in that way where it's like they're it's sort of an individualist (laughs) kind of way of doing things and it's like very much about how they want to be the best and make money and have nice things but then it's also all about spectacle, and it's like, yes, you know, I think that um kind of I think it's it's very interesting because when people did eventually accuse them of like
1: selling out, it was mm. like, why wouldn't they like yes. what, yeah. it's like
2: they, they always were going to, yeah. yeah, like that was sort of the point,
1: yes, when they signed to i think. They ended up uh, on rough trade uh, for, quote, some stupid ass money, unquote, in 1989. (laughs) uh, And then they signed with Capital in 1992. Uh, and uh, Leary said of that, he said, "I'd always wanted to be on a major label, and especially one that Grand Funk Railroad had been on. <laughs> that was always the goal. They named their, their dog, you know, uh, what what is it? Mark Mark, Mark Farmer of, yeah. of Grand Funk Railroad. Like the, Yeah, it's not a surprise that they would sell out. Um, they're the not goal really was, betraying their values. their the goal was always taking
0: the weirdest, stupidest, most roundabout way to becoming Grand Funk Railroad.
1: <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was a, a, a sort of unamicable parting with Touch and Go, and then th- this isn't in the book, but they ended up uh, in a serious lawsuit situation because Touch and Go's accounting was classically uh, um, not not on the up and up, and there there were there's bad blood related to that. Um, but yeah, that I, I know we can listen to maybe something from their last album before they signed with a major, which is hair, Hairway to Steven. You know what I was. Writing
2: about Stairway to Heaven the other day for my show, like for World Cafe, and I actually typed Hairway to Steven because I've been like thinking Hairway about the Butthole Surfers
0: to too much.
1: It's so good. It's so silly. Um, yeah. Uh, should
0: we, should we listen
1: to something from that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, we can listen to two things off this. I got, again, the first track on this is a classic rock throwback. This is Jimmy J I M I. So here's Jimmy off Hairway to Steven. Great. Also, this song is, like, 12 minutes long, so we'll only listen just to it. Just sample them. it. Yeah. Again, not to harp on this, like, studio thing, but it is interesting that they're, like... Their studio work just gives them, like, a bigger sound than these. Mm-hmm. a lot of these bands. Like, the drums on this feel, like, huge in a way that a lot of the other, like... Hard, more hardcore band recordings. Even, like, Husker Du, once they got to, like, majors, still had, like, you know, it was muscular, but it, it felt really, like, thin and, and tinny and fast and in a way. And this, like, has this booming sound to it. Yeah. In service of this dumbest shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, there's something about, like, sort of the nihilism of this band to like where they're taking all this money and dumping it into like this stuff that is completely stupid yes. and like pointless that I think is part of what makes them so appealing.
0: Yeah. Yep. As as Molly said at the beginning, you, they are a perfect example of great music coming from giving yourself the freedom to be as dumb as you just, want just as, as, as cute dumb. can be. <laughs> so, you know, this goes on for uh, 12 minutes. <laughs> here's like yada yada seven, yada. Seven minutes into it. Here's, here's one that's uh uh, just to get another little sample of this album, uh, Johnny Smoke.
1: <laughs> this here song is about John W. Smoke Jr. It's about being in love and loving and love that's hate and loving the love, love, love and the love and the hate that's love that revolves around the loveless hate that's the hateless love and the love that's love and the love and the hate that's hate and the love that's love and the hate. It's about John W. Smoke's mom, it's with his mom, it's about his mom, it's about his mom, it's about loving his mom, and being without his mom, and loving the hate, that's hate to loving his mom, and all the time they're there. the hate, love the hate to love, it's loveless hate, and it goes something about like this, Johnny
2: Smoke, like sounding like something between like a cattle auctioneer and yes. a
0: preacher, Yeah,
2: yes. <laughs> that Texas thing again,
0: yeah, he's yep. got, I mean that's the thing about Gibby, he's got bits, he does have bits, mm-hmm.
2: Hey, speaking of it, Gibby also has, uh, he's on Cameo. He has that, too. Really? He's on Cameo. If wow. you want to get a Gibby greeting for $95, $95. you can have it. $95, oh, Not, man. not bad. So bad. I thought about okay. doing it, and I was
1: like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to spend $95. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's both a steal, and then it's also like, eh, it's kind of a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. but, but it goes to, like to a show again that
2: sort of like the sell thing, it's like, they don't care. Like, they don't well, Give him as he wants his 95
0: bucks. Yeah, I wonder, I, I would have to go check it out uh, and see what how much effort that he puts into them. If he just gets on and is like, hey, this is Gibby hey shout-out to Steven, or if he does like gets on and like does bizarro shit on it. Because that's the thing about cameo. Some people really phone it in, but some people they deliver. They take pride in it. <laughs> and now it's like a raw this song's like a rawhide riff. Yeah.
2: And uh, hairway to Steven Also, the song titles on the album when it was released, they they didn't have any titles. Like it was just
1: pictures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. right. And so didn't uh, radio DJs have to like basically create a shorthand of being like, this is uh two yeah. blue dots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> two two chickens uh, uh, defecating. Yeah.
2: It's like that Bonnie Vera album that came out of. Asia. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> just all symbols and yeah. stuff.
0: All right. So this is Johnny Smoke. I mean, all the all these songs are just like I don't know, like, like, like expansive, like almost like musical yeah, sketches.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Well, that that's unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, the end of their their indie career was Haraway to Stephen," uh, and as as they signed to a label, they exit uh, Azurad's purview. Yes. And uh, I just I wanted to end my notes with uh, uh, Leary being asked uh, or accused of selling out to who uh, people saying uh, you sold out, dude. He would say to them, kiss my ass. You go live in a fucking van, you asshole. <laughs> uh, or alternatively, uh, eat shit and die. <laughs> so he does not he does not care that uh, you think he sold out. He would like to see you try living. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, collecting bottles in the streets of New York. to sell. you know, I, it's it's fine. And there's still some, and they, you know, Pepper, good song,
2: great song. Yeah, I love that song. I mean, I feel like I've been listening to a lot of Butthole Surfers, obviously, in preparation for this podcast, and like Pepper is a huge, huge jam. Like, yeah. I feel like I didn't give it enough credit the first time around, and uh, it's it's so good. Um, unfortunately, their 2001 album, mm-hmm. Weird Revolution, yeah, it's not so good, not so ah. good, mm. not so good. It sounds like they're trying to recapture the like magic of pepper um, but then also mixing it with sort of like a new metal rap rock sensibility like music wise it's not
1: good that sounds like buttholes are one of the many bands that did not survive aesthetically the turn of the millennium the 1999 to 2000 really fucked up a lot of a lot of rock bands a lot of male-fronted rock bands uh as well as Garth Brooks. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I understand uh, that it, it could not have been easier to, to transition into the, the new millennium in that way. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I am going to play a little bit of Who Was In My Room Last Night because I think the song just fucking rips so hard. Uh, but we can do like some final thoughts over them. Yeah, I mean, it's just they're just so fucking fun to read about. And it is like as you started this conversation, it is like one of the things, you know, if you get to pick one show to go to out of this book. Uh, it would be, it would be hard to not say butthole surfers just for how like fucking wild it's gonna be. Yeah,
2: I also wonder about the fact that their name is such a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. The fact
2: that like you know it, newspapers would list them as like in their listings as like the buttonhole surfers. Like, the buttonhole and, <laughs>
0: surfers. They've is like had, the had to kids' be, bot version of butthole yeah. surfers.
2: And when it comes to like radio and saying their name on air and stuff, it's like how much have they been cut out of the conversation about like. About music in general, like yeah. they're yeah. very influential, and it's like, would they be more or less influential without that name? Yes. yes. right. If they could does be a little more matter? part
1: of the conversation <laughs> just yeah. by being n- not having to be censored. the uh, The president of Capitol Records, uh, five years after he signed them, would not say their name in public.
2: <laughs> I also wonder if you could have a band like this anymore. I feel like probably not.
1: Not, I mean, yeah, it, not on I a would, major. it would be
2: like
3: would it be...
0: some different version of this. I mean, there are bands that are groups that still have like, you know, weird, gross out aesthetics and but also take the music part very seriously. But it's hard to imagine a, ba- a band going on this kind of trajectory again mm-hmm. in, in this kind of way. It would be something it would be something very different.
2: I feel like they would get a. Uh Cancelled pretty quick if the butthole surfers tried right now. But that's the thing; like they were so their output was so overwhelmingly like you know, quote unquote, offensive that I feel like they're impossible to cancel. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can't cancel the butthole surfers. Yes. they've already gone too far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can try to cancel them; they won't care. Uh,
0: yeah. Just talking about like whether or not their name took them out out of conversation. I think that is one of the interesting things, especially. <laughs> Even in the context of the book, is that they are kind of their own thing within this. Like, all the other groups have, like, are a little bit more in conversation because they're they're part of scenes that in multiple bands based on geography or anything. And these guys are kind of out in Texas slash Georgia, like, roaming around, like, itinerantly. And then also, like, you know, building their own studios so they don't really have to work that much with other people and then, like, building their own. As, as we were just talking about, they're kind of mercenary about their um their business practice so they're kind of like building their own institutions around them in a way and they don't like have to play with everybody else. So it is they are this interesting like kind of island in the, that uh, in in this uh, book that then uh, goes on to the great success. Sorry, I'm just like now distracted by how good this song is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean this song
0: it rules Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that that the fact that, like, and I said this near the beginning, but the fact that they were the band, or one of the bands, one of the few bands in this book, who actually reached major label success in a real way and had, like, a huge radio hit. Yeah. Is... It would be if you had it all on paper and you were looking at them all I mean, yes, exactly. it on paper, it's in a book um but if you <laughs> had it all written down and you had to pick one to put your money on that was gonna make it big, I feel like butthole Surfers probably wouldn't be the band you would choose no
1: no <laughs> yes. they're they're just so crazy that it worked yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> now I'm actually trying to think about this book and trying to pick who would be like the biggest i because mean, I feel like none of them technically were you know huge huge bands
0: and i guess sonic youth i don't know yeah i mean so- yeah. sonic youth he made it as well i mean there are a few bands that i guess the replace the replacements
1: could have been a yeah. b- like big bit ba- i think in a different world they might have been like a big big rock band
0: a the, popular rock band the real tragic one that i have been thinking about a lot is like if minute men had been yeah. able to just, like, keep doing their thing. And especially mm-hmm. because the, their end is so abrupt and, like, random and nonsensical out of all of these that it wasn't, like, issues or anything. Like, if D. had lived, it, based on, like, the nature of that band, they probably would have done that forever. And a band True. like that... Yeah. You yeah. just imagine, like, after 30 years, would just develop such a huge following... And, like, the support structures and popularity necessary to do, like, kind of whatever they wanted. So, I I think that that's, they're kind of the most interesting ones to be like, how big could this have gotten? Mm -hmm. You know? But that's also what makes it so sad. Yeah. Uh, But we're not talking about the Minutemen on this episode. We're talking about (laughs) the Butthole Surfers. Uh, And this has been a lot of fun. They're fun just gross and weird and fun and i i highly recommend going on youtube and just like scrolling through some of the live shows that you can find to just like get a sense i was looking through a cbgb show that i was just kind of scrubbing through and i i kept skipping to different parts of it and it's like an hour and 15 minute long recording and i could not every time i scrubbed to a new part i could not identify like a song that was playing like there was no like beat or rhythm or anything happening it was just like weird noise and like people screaming in the background It it seemed like absolute chaos
2: I just sent you a video that, when you have time, you should watch it. I highly recommend it. I watched on. the whole thing like twice. Okay, great. I'll, I'll, this is the the blind eye season. <laughs> blind eye season. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll I'll we'll include link that in the, the uh, in the show notes.
0: Show notes. It's wonderful. Um, but any other any other thoughts on butthole surfers before we move on to the end part? Honestly, uh, respect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Nothing but respect for my I'm, presidents. The world is a better place because the butthole surfers were in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, let us move confidently to the end part of this episode. Reina, thank you so much for coming on and talking about buttholes with us. I'm glad that we were able to give you an outlet to say the words that you can't say on the radio. Is there anything that you would like to plug?
2: Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I had such a good time. I feel like I laughed. A lot in the last hour and a half. Um, So thank you. Uh, And yeah, World Cafe, it's on your public radio station. Uh, You can hear it Monday to Friday. Um, I interview bands. I talk about music. And if you uh, don't have a radio, you can subscribe to the World Cafe podcast at worldcafe.org or wherever you find your podcasts. And the archives are also at worldcafe.org. Find me on Twitter. At rahraina, R-A-H-R-A-H-R-A-I-N-A. That's pretty much it.
0: Uh, There's someone who plugs like a professional. (laughs) You bet. (laughs) (laughs) I went to school for this. Yes, that is some some broadcasting (laughs) professionalism. Uh, Now let us plug like some dirty, degenerate podcasters. Molly, you got anything going on?
1: Um, i I think oh yeah the, when this comes out uh, the this video has already been live but I have a new video uh, for the alternative an interview with uh, Elise from Oceanator talking about her album which was amazing just a really good like power punk pop uh it, I, I dig I dig uh, go to the alternative on YouTube subscribe watch the video give you those sweet sweet views uh, and give oceanator's album a listen that is my plug for today
0: uh i will go ahead and plug you know what it is it's the frequency one festival uh we've got five bands five pods all virtual streaming online uh by time this comes out tickets uh twenty dollar tickets that's two dollars an act come on we've got so many good bands stay inside downtown boys pom-pom squad zola jesus and every time i die we've got the throwing fits podcast we've got episode one podcast We've got uh, Tinder Live with Lane Moore. We hate movies. And, of course, Chapo Trap House. Uh, I am uh, uh, helping produce this whole thing. This has been my baby for the last few months. Please consider buying a ticket. Yes. Frequency.live. dot Live. Pick up those tickets now, 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 now. Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> thank you for listening to and introducing... Hey, we're like halfway done with this series now. Uh, I think so. I think this is with episode eight. Yeah, more than halfway done. Uh, But still going strong. We have so many more of these to do. Uh, Please send us an email at at andintroducingpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at andintropod. Our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Um, I also set up a Reddit for this, so people people are commenting there. People are sharing a lot of cool, like, it's all 80s hardcore now, obviously, because that's all we've been talking about. But there are a lot of cool links and clips and interesting interviews that people have been calling up there. So a lot of cool background stuff over on the Reddit. That's reddit.com slash r slash and introducing. And as always, tell a friend. I feel like tell I haven't friend. said that one in a while. Yeah, word yeah. of mouth is always our best advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, this series, because it's so uh you know focused and that we've been putting them out and with big, with great regularity which i think that both molly and i deserve a round of applause for the regularity of the show <laughs> oh, thank uh, but you, this, thank is, you. this is some good entry points <laughs> for people so uh you know tell a friend who might be interested in, in punk or hardcore like hey there's this great uh show doing this series on these bands and i think that that is all i have for plugs how'd that how'd that go what, that, what's that my grade could. from a, a pro broadcaster arena? 10 out, 10. ten out of ten. You you got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, uh, tune in next week for Big Black. Right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, one of my staves so. from this uh, from this book. Uh, gotta gotta love drum machines. Anyway, <laughs> that's next week. Tune back in then for more. And introducing.